Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. same thing and you know what they might want to you know, that might be how you break in a 19 year old to the premier league is you know a 19 year old foreigner to the premier league is you know you uh if you've got europe you play him in europe you know you play him in the cups and then of course he's on your bench mm-hmm. you know in the premier league and, and you get him playing time so uh and you know the, the big thing klopp i mean klopp wants uh he wants competition Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think he would fit in. So. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no competition for best soccer podcast because we're certainly not it. Hey, yeah. welcome to the Foreign Affair podcast, everybody. Episode 136. I am Edward Green, joined as always by McCall and Crime West Bradshaw. We're just talking a little bit Christian Pulisic magic as he featured for Dortmund today in the uh, the match in the Champions League against Real Madrid. Uh, as the first uh, leg in that tie was a 2-2 draw again, this time at the Bernabeu. Uh, so a great result for Dortmund as they top their group in the Champions League. Although this year, that might not be such a good thing to do, uh, given the teams that finished second. Uh, But we'll definitely talk about that more a little later on. We'll, of course, have the Premier League to talk about. Poor Arsenal. Yes. I called called it like three weeks ago. I said, no, I called it before their fifth match. I said, they're going to finish first, and they're going to draw Baron in the the first round of the knockout stage. It is no one. It is no one. Um, but we'll be talking Premier League. We'll be talking uh, the Champions League, as I said. We'll be doing a quick Europa League preview. Uh, sorry, Manchester United playing on a frozen field. And uh, the FA Cup draw for the third round was this week. Who knew? Uh, but we'll be going over some of the better fixtures in that. We'll also be hitting into news and notes, watch for and so raw. As always, this podcast is presented to you by NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. We never stop. As well as I am at Next USA. Are you the next Beyonce? No, you're not. But if you want to have some level of talent and pursue your dreams, even if you're not the next Beyonce, visit I'm Next USA today. Thanks a lot, Wes. Man. That was a dream of mine, and you knew it. 
No problem. Uh, the dream is alive and well for West Brom to play European football next year as we hit the first five from this weekend, the Premier League. Yeah, shocking, right? Uh, West Brom 3, Watford 1. A pair of first-half goals from Johnny Evans and Chris Brunt uh, got Watford, uh, West Brom off to a 2-0 lead. Uh, Christian Cabaselli got them back at the hour mark, did the Watford Hornets. Uh, but Roberto Pereira lost his mind in the 84th minute on James McLean, although if you go back and look at it, it wasn't necessarily unwarranted. Uh, James McLean basically baiting Pereira into doing something to him by standing over him and yelling at him and potentially kicking a soccer ball into him. Uh, McLean got away with just a yellow. I believe a retrospective ban is coming, uh, but Matthew Phillips put away the match in the 91st minute. Uh, we'll get to the charges both teams will face a little bit later on in news and notes, and uh, they weren't the only ones to get charged by the FA this past weekend. We'll get into that in five in focus. But that finished 3-1. Sunderland 2, Leicester 1. Down go the champions again as Robert Uth own goal and Jermaine Defoe, just always Johnny on the spot in the box. Uh, They were able to withstand a Shinji Okazaki 88-minute strike uh, and hold on at the Stadium of Light. David Moyes, he's He's done it. He has turned around Sunderland. Nissan, beep, beep. They're doing great things uh, for Sunderland, apparently. Uh, Stoke to Burnley nil. Talk about a team that's turned around. Uh, Jonathan Walters and Mark Muneza with goals in the first half for the Potters as they are able to take down mighty, mighty Burnley at home. Uh, Middlesbrough won Hull nil as part of some Monday night football. Gaston Ramirez with the lone goal in that match as Hull for farther down in the relegation battle. And finally, uh, at a match that apparently was played at the Olympic Stadium, I don't know why, uh, West Ham won Arsenal 5 uh, as the... uh, Apparently they're doing all of them there this year. What? That's crazy. I don't understand why they're not doing it at Upton Park anymore. Um... Yeah, Mesut Ozil had the opening goal. Alexis Sanchez had a hat-trick. Begandi, he's back, though. He did have an 83-minute goal um, for West Ham, the only goal of the match for them as Arsenal ran rampant over the Hammers. And that takes us to our five in focus, West Bradshaw. And we'll start with the match that you and I actually watched together in the panic room. And the um, panic room may have been needed to hide some people after that match because it finished Man City 1, Chelsea 3. But uh, Man City could have used a goal for every man that got sent off at the end. Sergio Aguero and Fernandinho both seen red after Sergio Aguero karate kicked David Luiz, we'll say. Uh, well, I would say it was almost more of something I've seen on WWE's 205 Live with the, uh, the low drop kick in the corner. Not a lot of people watching that either. Uh, Fernandinho uh, choked... <laughs> choked out Cesc Fabregas who can blame him Uh, he also picked up a red card both teams charged for failing to uh, control their players again you'll notice Tottenham last year 
Man City this year. What's the common link? Oh, it's Chelsea. That's right. But they are not dirty at all. No, no, no. Uh, Gary Cahill had the opening goal, though, for Man City. Yes, Gary Cahill for Man City. Yes, he did an excellent bicycle kick into his own net. Uh, but Diego Costa, Willian, and finally Ed Nazard on three separate counters in the second half spell. Doom for the citizens, as well as Kevin De Bruyne just before the hour mark, not being able to make it. 2-0. West Chelsea have won eight straight. Um, but I'll say this. I think for a lot of this match, City were the better team and, and really could and should have put this match away very early on. And we're made oh, to pay for not doing so. Absolutely. I mean, we talked about it on our uh, award-winning 60 Seconds of Soccer uh, yes. during the all-new sports show. We made the award, so don't feel bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, Chelsea, see, Chelsea seemed to be on the back heels a lot in this match. City mm-hmm. were having, City were making really, really good headway. It seemed earlier, they just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, and mm-hmm. then they they kind of got a a gift from Gary Cahill, uh, mm-hmm. not not Tim Cahill, but Gary. Yes. Um, oh, Tim, it'd be great to get him back. Um, you know, got the one nil lead, and you thought at that point, you know, they, they looked like they were going to expand that lead at different times. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't I'm totally trying to think back. Did they have Did they have a goal that was ruled offside? Uh, mm, did they? Or, uh, let me let me check real quick. I was almost thinking they had a goal that was ruled offside. They um, might have. That would have, I believe, would have made it two nil. Um, but even if they didn't, uh, they had a lot of they had a lot of chances to extend that one nil lead, and just just were unlucky to be able to put the ball in the net. Uh, unlucky with their positioning at times, and as you said, Ed, Chelsea were absolutely ruthless on the counterattack. Um, and it was it was the perfect game plan more or less from Antonio Conte. You know, when you're playing one of the really talented teams who want to get out and play football, uh, sit back, absorb the pressure. You know, there have been a lot of teams, you know, we've seen it with Liverpool. We, we joke about the parking of the bus. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've seen it with City, obviously. We've seen it with Arsenal before. Uh, you know, teams want to sit back. But then, you know, a lot of times teams are just content just to kick that ball out and start over. Well, the thing is, Chelsea would take possession deep, and then they were springing these lightning-quick counters. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they were absolutely fantastic. Uh, based on those, you know what, based on just their game plan and how they executed it, Chelsea Chelsea deserved the three points. I just thought, you know, from, a, from an outsider sitting there watching the match, it just seemed like City were... You know, just all right. Any time now, they're just going to pop another goal in, and you know, then they might score two or three more. Yeah. Um, but Chelsea, just oh, that counterattack was played to absolute perfection, and, and I mean, I, I think it's a deserved three points. It just didn't seem like it early. <laughs> 
Yep. Uh, City with over 60% possession, uh, 10% better. I Actually, my, my math might be wrong. 84% pass success rate to Chelsea, 74%. Uh, more shots, more shots on target. Had nine corners to Chelsea's two in the match. And uh, Thibaut Courtois had to make four saves to uh, Claudio Bravo's one. Um I think you know. I think you hit it right on the head. Very. This was very Leicester City of last year. Lightning quick counter. Although I think Chelsea are even better than really. Honestly, Leicester City from last year. And you know, I think something else that that comes up now. City don't have the kind of defensive back line where they can play this aggressively against a team that it can absorb the pressure and counter. They, they Their lineup just isn't built for that, especially going three in the back with Stones, Otamendi, and Kolarov, as they did in this match. It's, it, they're just not good enough to do it. And I, I think a little bit of uh, that falls on Pep. It, somebody remarked, on Twitter before the match started, this was the most attacking lineup they'd ever seen. You know, you had Aguero, De Bruyne, Silva, Sané, Gwindigan, uh Jesus Navas, I guess, and uh, and and Fernandinho. You had you have seven guys who can really really attack, and and that just left them completely exposed more than the back line already really is because of the lack of quality back there. And, and I think at the end of the day, that falls on Pep. But also that falls on City and may be the reason that they won't be able to mount a serious title contending race. Again, we're only now to match 14. But I, I think that's something to look out from them going forward is is City's defense, as we'll talk about with another team also in a, in a little bit, unfortunately, um, their defense just might not be good enough to, to win the title this year. They can score a lot of goals, but their game plan and their defense let them down this day. Well, and let's let's say this. Let's be in all honesty. Right now, uh, December seventh, their defense is not made to mount a title charge. No. <laughs> Come January seventh, I don't know what we're going to see because you know, city, you know, city. I think there are going to be quite a few Premier League teams willing to go and try to improve, especially teams near the top, because you know they see, hey, we're in a title race. We've got a chance. I believe teams are going to spend money in January, and uh, City, City would almost be somewhat foolish not to try to do something. Uh, certainly so. Another team that might be uh, spending a little bit of money this January, maybe improve that depth a little bit, that would be Tottenham Hotspur as they put five, yes, five, on Bob Bradley. One week ago, he was winning thrilling 5-4 swashbuckling matches, and uh, now he's just losing 5-0. Uh, Eric Kane with the early penalty, maybe on a bit of a dive by Deli Ali, uh, but Hungman's son left nothing to chance on the second with a great goal just before halftime. Harry Kane added a tap in on the other side of the break. Erickson put in the fourth and the fifth on an assist by Musa Soko. Yeah, he still plays for Tottenham, apparently. Uh, and that's how it became 5-0 uh, Wes. Uh, we, we, we heard Maurizio Pochettino after the Chelsea match kind of extol the virtues of the team. Even though they lost, they looked a lot better uh, coming off the, the you know, loss also that week to uh, Monaco in the Champions League. Uh, they come back. They, uh, they beat Swansea 5-0. And again, this is a... Very poor Swansea team. We'll just put that out there. Um, they, they, they. This is a team, and you said it yourself, and 
I'll bring this up later too. Uh, we were we were doing our all new sports show as this game was going on, pre-taping it, and uh, you said halftime two nothing. Knock on wood, Tottenham uh, should see it out. And not only did they see it out, they put in three more after the break. Um, it, it, they get Toby Alderweireld back today in the Champions League, as we'll mention later. Um, this is all of a sudden a team again. You don't want to put too much stock into beating Swansea five nil, but. Is this a team that now maybe really is? Even in that loss against Chelsea, they look good for a lot of that match. Is this a team that's maybe going to start to be a threat again going forward in the league? Um, you, you did start to hit the nail on the head. You know, it's, it's a lot easier to look really good when you're not playing Chelsea or Monaco. Yeah. Just to throw something out there, you know, I think we, well, we were doing our Champions League predictions. I think everybody kind of underestimated a little bit with Monaco. Mm-hmm. Um, Monaco is like the highest scoring team in Europe. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're putting massive amounts of goals by everybody. <laughs> so you know, you know, we'll 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 definitely kind of jump on that Monaco train and say, you know, that's a good team. So for Tottenham, when you're not playing Monaco and not playing Chelsea, that does make life a little easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and bottom of the league, Swansea is definitely the team they wanted to see. I think. Um, you know, if nothing else for Spurs, it does help them get firing. Uh, I mean, getting five goals, that's, you know, and I'll tell you just as a Liverpool fan, you know, when your team goes out and just demolishes somebody, uh, a lot of the time that can be the catalyst to really kick on and go forward because suddenly, you know, you've got the, well, you know, we played Chelsea, we played well at Chelsea and lost. Man, then we came out, we played well again, and we dropped five on Swansea. Mm-hmm. Man. You know, maybe if we go play Watford or West Brom, shoot, we can drop three or four on those guys, no problem. So, you know, hopefully for Spurs, it'll get that confidence level up. It'll get them firing. Maybe some of the guys got their shooting boots on. And it could be a a moment for them to kick on uh, with their, uh, not only their top four challenge, but also, uh, you know, if they have aspirations of a real title challenge this season. Mm And, you know, once again, the return of Alderweireld, that's that's massive. I mean, he's just – he's one of those guys. And, you know, we'll talk about Liverpool in a little bit. And, you know, you hate to say, well, you know, one guy makes a huge difference. But you know what? There are some guys who make a huge mm-hmm. difference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and we're seeing it right now. So, uh, for Spurs, this should be a moment where hopefully they can get, uh, they can get things going because they haven't had a problem stopping anyone this year. It's always mm-hmm. been, can they just get some damn goals? <laughs> yeah. So hopefully with this, it'll get those shooting boots on and uh, some goals will start going in for Spurs and they can get on a nice little run. Yep, they, they're starting to climb up that goals for table. Uh, still have uh, the uh, fewest goals against in the Premier League now, mm-hmm. uh, as Chelsea did concede one against City. Uh, and right now, if I can do a quick little peek here, the top four are better uh, than their level with you know Crystal Palace on goals scored. So they're tied for fifth in most goals in the Premier League. So that number maybe now with a, a Kane, who has, I believe, scored nine and nine, uh, He's he's starting to really hit his stride, which of course is the talisman. Maybe this is a Spurs team on the rise. Real quick before we hit the next match, um, Bob Bradley. We thought you know maybe he's going to start doing okay after getting the win against Palace. Uh, he's he's back into real trouble. Well, I, 
I think you've almost got to look at it from the the opposite side of Spurs, where you know well, we scored five, but I mean it was Swansea. You know, you've got to look at it from Swansea. I mean, shit. You know, this is one of the best teams in the league. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think Bob Bradley was bought in, brought in, to beat Tottenham and to beat Liverpool and to beat Man City and to beat Chelsea. He was brought in to make sure that you beat the Sunderlands and the Crystal Palaces of the world. He was mm-hmm. brought in to make sure you got 16th or 17th, right. excuse me. Um, so, I mean, it sucks for your goal differential this week. But that said, I think any any Swansea fan worth their weight in salt uh, was not expecting to get a positive result against Swansea or against Tottenham this week. Well, so, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll have to see in about a month's time. If they're still near the bottom, I think I think there could be some damage there. Um, I, I, I would just I would just think, and just to finish up on him, I would just think sure. that if you're bringing him in at this point, you're going to at least give him the month of January, and, okay. and it's going to be interesting to see if um, what Swansea feels with Bob Bradley, because you know sometimes it doesn't always mm-hmm. um, show up on the scoreboard. But, you know, how do we feel? Do we feel that he's doing good things? If he does, hey, let's put some investment into this. If we think this is all going to shit and nothing matters, then we're not going to invest in it. And then we'll find out really, I think, what the uh, what the plan going forward for Swansea is. I think the only issue with that, and I, I don't disagree necessarily with what you're saying, I think the only issue with that is we saw from Newcastle last year, they waited too long to pull the trigger on, on McLaren before going to Benitez. Now, I don't know that there's a Rafa Benitez out there that Swansea could get to pull them up. So it is a little different situation, but there is something maybe to be said about waiting too long to make a change. Well, we'll I remember see. too, though, you know, Bradley was the change. Yeah, that's true. You yeah. know, that's the thing. He was the change. They've gone through this once. They know what's out there. Yeah. Makes <laughs> you know, Swansea great exactly, again. You know exactly what the hell's out there. So, you know, you you went through that and you made a choice on the guy. So, I just, I think unless it all just goes straight to shit, I mean, unless he starts getting beat like 5 nothing every week, mm-hmm. I just think, I think it's going to be tough to... Uh, go for your third manager of the season and expect much difference. Well, one team that uh, may be staying with their man is Crystal Palace uh, as they get a 3-0 win against Southampton. Uh, Benteke Brace, along with a James Tompkins goal just after the half-hour mark, uh, was the difference in the match. And, Wes, we said it. You know, they had to get at least a draw at home against Southampton and then a win next week against Hull for Pardew to be safe. Uh, There has been the chairman of Crystal Palace has come out and said that Pardew whose job is, quote, totally safe, whatever that means. Um, but this was this was a gigantic win for Pardew to keep his job and for Crystal Palace to stay afloat in their bid to stay up in the Premier League. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> um, couple, couple the fact that Crystal Palace looked like they showed up and actually wanted to play this week. Couple mm-hmm. that with the fact that Fraser Forster was looking a little match-fixy. Ooh, that first goal to Benteke. Oh, my. God. What are you doing? Remember Um, to kick the ball. Yeah, yeah. You know, so uh, it was was definitely a a crap game from Mm -hmm. Southampton's viewpoint as well. They just – they played horribly. 
But you know, give it to Palace. Palace came out. They were, uh, you know, they were firing. They were. They looked sharp. Um, defensively, they looked strong. Uh, mm-hmm. Can't can't say we've said that very often this season. Yeah. But um, you know, at the end of the day, I thought it was a very deserved win for Palace and uh, for Southampton. They'll somewhat rue it because it's lost points, and you know they're. They're not so much fighting for the top four as they're fighting for maybe a Europa spot. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is just the way Crystal Palace has been playing. This wasn't a match. I don't think Southampton went into thinking, oh, God, we could get run over here today. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. disappointing for the Saints. Absolutely, as they are also mired in their own Europa League campaign, uh, trying to maybe get a second year of European football. Maybe uh, maybe some distractions coming out. Jose Font, uh, not very happy with his contract situation. Some wires getting crossed there in terms of communication uh, with the club. So we'll have to see if there's another raid coming in January uh, of Southampton. Maybe, maybe their entire defensive backfield. And West, there's a team that could use it. And we're there. It's AFC Bournemouth 4, Liverpool 3. Um, so Savio Mane and Divock Origi, they, they scored in, you know, the first the 20, 25 minutes. And you're like, all right, halftime. Knock on wood. You didn't knock on wood, did you, Wes Bradshaw, with that 2-0 halftime lead? Well, I, I didn't even wake up until the second half, personally. So. Okay. In all truth, it was 2-1 to one when I actually woke up. Uh, well, you woke up after Sorry. Callum Wilson took the penalty to make it 2-1 <laughs> as, uh, as the uh, the introduction of Ryan Frazier bolted. The, the introduction. Introduction. Allow me to introduce myself. Uh, Ryan right. Frazier to the game lighted up everything. Uh, Emery Chan, though, with a howitzer in the 64th minute, you think, okay, 3-1. Oh, it, was over. it was over. Liverpool's good to go. I had no doubt in my mind right now. Okay, we're cool. I almost thought about going and doing something else. I was like, I'll just see it out. See it out, I did. You did. Liverpool did. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, shades of Crystal Palace past come to play as uh, Ryan Frazier, the aforementioned, brings them within one. A couple minutes later, Steve Cook equalizes. And then in the final minute, Nathan Aki wins it. On a, on a bit of a goalkeeping mishap uh, that allowed him to get in and tap it in to give Bournemouth the win. Uh, last week, we had a, 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 a try for match of the season between Palace and Swansea. Bournemouth, of course, was part of maybe our match of the year last year in their, in their home game against Everton that I believe finished 3-3 with both teams scoring in stoppage time. Um, this, though, Wes, as... as I am sure you are absolutely crestfallen, and unfortunately for Liverpool, this is same thing we said about City. Is that back line good enough? Well, here's my rebuttal to it. Here's my rebuttal to the whole thing. And, and once again, yes, pretend you know, I'm Ian Dark. Exactly. I, I had to say this. I mean, this was to me it was elementary. I, I mean, this is a Liverpool squad who. In every match this year that Joel Maddup has played in, um, they've won or drawn, and I don't think they've given up more than two goals in a match, and that was once against Crystal Palace. I mean, other than that, it's been one goal or shutout. They've been so- they have been quite solid at the back. 
Matchup misses the match due to an injury. That said, he will be back for West Ham this weekend, thank God. Um, and late on, it just all went to hell. And, you know, you said, oh, that's one player. Yeah, I know it's one player, but you know what? Spurs didn't look as good without Outerfield. Um City never look as good without company. Um, you know, Manchester United don't look as good without Alex Ferguson. <laughs> Any uh, though, although I will notice though, just look at the lineup a little bit. Uh, Ragnar Clavin, the summer uh, signing, not getting a start. Klopp has, and I'll say with good purpose thus far. You know, back in January, he kind of converted Lucas Leva into an emergency center back. Now, mm-hmm. That was because last January we did not have. Of course, we right. talked about it last year. You know, the great cull of all our damn center backs all died at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had to play Lucas Leiva. And Lucas, to his credit, has played very well in that role. Well, I wouldn't say very well. He's played well in that role. Um, he did it at the week in the um, in the, the cup match. Played mm-hmm. well again. So I think right now Klopp was just comfortable with him, and Klopp in his last couple matches had not been very good. So, you know, end of the day, you're pricing there going, you know, it's one of those hindsight is 2020 things. If if Lucas goes out and does what he's done nearly every time he's played center back for us, then we see that game out at 3-1, and no one has any issues the next day. All of a sudden, you know, this this kid off the bench is Ryan Frazier, who, I'm sorry, no one's heard of this guy. I mean, I'm not trying to be funny. They were talking about a little talk sport. Who's Ryan Frazier again? Apparently, he's like the pride of Aberdeen. So, I mean, he's Scottish. We know they all suck now, right? <laughs> Scotland hit you guys. Um, but it, it just, it happened late. And there was, it was like a snowball effect just took over. Uh, panic set in, and then without their rock at the back, Joel Maddock to try to calm things down, things just went from bad to worse. And then Loris Karius makes his little error at the end, and now suddenly, you know, he's the worst goalkeeper who's ever lived. Obviously. And uh, obviously, you know, obviously, right? And suddenly, you know, we, we need to go buy a goalkeeper in January. We need to do this and we need to do that. And Lovren can't be mm-hmm. trusted. No, Lovren's been very good this year with Joel Maddock beside him. <laughs> so, I mean, to me, it was a clear shot thing. And, and, you know, all of a sudden, oh, we knew Liverpool's defense sucked. No, you didn't because they haven't sucked this year. You know where they sucked? They sucked against Arsenal. They sucked against Burnley. And they sucked on Saturday. Okay. And, and, to be and fair, well, of the of the top eight, they've okay. given up the most goals this year. Well, I mean, now, that, now also, and that's a thing, you know, as Klopp will say, with the style Liverpool play, they're going to give up some goals. The whole deal is you you don't turn around and concede three in the last twenty minutes. That's not good. I mean, look, if, if you know, just look at the Crystal Palace game. If you win four two, who gives a shit? You know, if, if Liverpool win that match three to two. We're not having a conniption about the defense today. But it just so happened everything went to shit late. I say, I still say with Matt up on the field, they have been very good. Because if you think about it now, if you want to talk about all those goals, okay, three against uh, three against Arsenal to start the season, 
two against Burnley. So there's five in two matches. Then Maddock came in, and other than that, they give up the two to Palace. Yeah, they're giving up a goal everywhere else just about, but they're scoring four. They're scoring five. And then they give up the four against uh, Bournemouth. So, you know, I mean, we've said it before. I mean, you can make stats say anything you want them to say. And at the end of the day, that's, that's just what I see is, you know, and I mean, it's just, it's elementary to me is just, okay, when Maddox plays, we don't lose. When Maddox doesn't play, we lose. <laughs> or, or, or we end up in a shootout to start the season. So um, is Matip the, the issue or is it, or is it the loss to Coutinho as well? Well, no, because you still score three goals. Okay. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, look, without Coutinho, if I'm not mistaken, up until this, I mean, they still hadn't lost. And they have been scoring some goals. Now, it, it, the, scoring the goals has not been as easy without Coutinho. But, I mean, they still scored three this game. You know, they scored, uh, they scored two against uh, Sunderland. I'm trying to think back on the schedule right now, and I can't remember all of it. I mean, they've been still scoring some goals, just not quite as free-flowing. But, um, I mean, to me, just, I mean, you look at it, we've lost once, and it was no matter. Let's see what happens. I mean, if Matt, let's put it this way, if Maddox comes back, we keep that same defensive backfield, and suddenly we're giving up three goals a game, okay, yeah, now we've got a big problem. Now, I'm not saying we couldn't improve. I would still love to see us get a legitimate left back. Even though Milner has done a great job filling in, <clears throat> in the long run, James Milner is not a left back. And that, that penalty was on him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course, that penalty... <clears throat> Was made uh, was Milner making Milner giving away the penalty because Lucas was farther upfield than he should have been. Where you would feel if Matip was there, he would have been more back in the natural center back position. Matip would have taken care of that ball. Lucas or Milner would not have had the lunge in on it. Right. So I, I mean, I know a lot of what I'm saying is well, if this and if that, but let's. <laughs> You know, um, Joel Maddup has not played in three matches this year for Liverpool, and they're one in, they're one zero and two in them, mm-hmm. and they gave up three in the one that they won. So, take it for what it is. <laughs> it's just if Joel Maddup goes down, whew, shit. <laughs> <laughs> this this can get interesting. That's and that is why I do think even with that, I think Liverpool. I would not be shocked to see Liverpool go out and make a move in January for a defender. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, you know, to have three really good defensive backs, because I'm sorry, what everyone says, I give Lovren credit for being a really good defensive player. Um, it's just he has to be partnered right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you go get a – and I'll just throw the name Van Dyke out there. I, I, I've got a feeling that's not going to happen in January mm-hmm. especially. But if you go get a Van Dyke and suddenly you can choose between Lovren, Maddup, and Van Dyke, then suddenly you don't have – you you're not quite as worried if somebody goes down at that point, right? So I, I mean, it's something to see. I'm I'm just I'm I'm not one of those people who is ready to just you know jump off the ship and go ape shit because we lost a match and we lost it in bizarre fashion. Ah, but that's the Premier League, Wes. It's exactly. what we do. Exactly. Uh, and as far as Loris Carius, I, I mean. You know, once again, I mean, the guy just threw up back-to-back shutouts in the league. You know, then he loses his best defensive player in front of him and shit goes to hell. Um, 
you know, suddenly people, oh, God, we got to get rid of him. He's horrible. He's horrible. Well, God damn it. <laughs> He's played like 10 matches maybe at the most. You know, give the goddamn chance. I had one guy argue with me on Twitter. Where I said something about, you know, De Gea had a shitty first season in the Premier League. I said, he's come pretty good. Well, he's 20, and this guy's 23. That's totally different. I'm like, oh, yeah, because all keepers uh, max oh, out at man. 25, right? Yeah. Oh, man. I'm like, oh, God, he's 23. Let's Jeez. get him a fucking walker and a cane, right? Jesus. Give me a break, dude. And I'm not saying he'll be De Gea. Don't get me wrong. No. Right. I don't think he will be. I mean, De Gea was lauded as world-class when United plucked him. I think, I think he came from Atletico. You know, so, mm-hmm. you know, everyone knew he was going to be world class. But you know what? I mean, God, give the kid a chance. I thought he's been pretty good this year. Yeah, he's been a little shaky. But, I mean, once again, he's a 23-year-old keeper playing in the Premier League for the first time. You know, I, I, I just – I believe Klopp brought him in to be the keeper for 10 years at Liverpool, not the keeper for 10 games. I, I agree 100%. I, I'm, 100, I'm totally on board with you. You. But, man, that would make me just a little nervous in April. It sucked. It sucked. And, I mean, <laughs> that's the thing. It sucks that we're having this kind of a season and you're at the back going, oh, God, please come good. You know, yeah. so, uh, phrasing. But <laughs> We're not doing but, that anymore. Uh, we're not doing that anymore. Okay, good. But, uh, I mean, it's what we've got. You know, I'm, I would be – I'm personally still just as nervous going back to Mignolet even mm-hmm. though he was playing well this season. That's why I was I was really thinking that Klopp was going to slowly kind of work Karius back in. But you know what? He came back. Klopp was, all right, you're my number one. You're in. So to me, that shows me that Jurgen Klopp has confidence in Loris Karius. And, you know, I, I don't think anybody on a message board or on Twitter is going to change the mind of Jurgen Klopp anytime soon. Right. Because right. they're not Klopp. Well- well, who else is not Klopp is uh, Ronald Koeman and Jose Mourinho because I don't believe Ronald Koeman and uh, Jurgen Klopp yet have gotten busted on a secret stash of money. Uh, also, but don't Jose... sixty-year-old women who have tattoos on their tits of them either. Oh, that was disgusting. Um, it the Everton Manchester United match finished one-one. Zlatan scores because he can do it to anybody. Joe Hart getting. Oh. Vietnam flashbacks uh, as he watched. Yeah, Joe Hart. Joe Hart? Yeah, because it was kind of like the England match when Zlatan scored against him. I was going to say, you know know Joe Hart's not watching any English football this year. He's pretending Uh, he's hiding from me. He doesn't even know what happened. All he knows. He's like an opposite. All he he knows is Chelsea 3, Man City 1, and he's giggling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. But a Leighton Baines penalty late on sealed it after uh, Marwan Fellaini lost his damn mind and decided to put a weak little challenge in the box. And uh, and that was it. Uh, he caught Guy. 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 Anyway. And uh, and that that was all it took for uh, Everton to get the penalty and it finished 1-1. Uh, Wes, this was this was a three points United 
desperately needed. Uh, and and for a lot of the match, they looked much more like their normal selves uh, and came off really, really well. But their inability to finish off a match once again dooms them. It's another draw for United. Uh, they, they've been a little bit Tottenham as of late. And uh, unfortunately, now the gap between them and Tottenham in for fifth is almost as big as the gap from Tottenham to Chelsea in first, which means that United have almost put themselves out of a title race this year and need to start picking it up fast if they're going to want to make a top four run as well. Good job, our little brothers in blue. You guys did fantastically. <clears throat> um, I saw someone write on there that uh, three years later, Fellaini, the double agent, finally comes good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, just absolutely mind-blowing. <laughs> just, what the hell? He'd been in the match two minutes. Exactly. He'd literally been in there two minutes and, and, and did that and... Thank God he didn't step on somebody. Oh, terrible. <laughs> yeah, thank God for that. Um, one thing for me that was kind of, you know, ugh, take a look at this United defense. Now, yeah, granted, they only gave up one goal, but this is, you know, There's, mm, you yeah. want to talk about a defense that I would be highly, highly questionable of going forward. Mm-hmm. Marcus Rojo, Phil Jones, Mateo Darmian, and Antonio Valencia. Valencia's yeah. been good. Mm-hmm. Yes, Valencia's absolutely. Been good. Darmian, they want to get rid of. I think they would. They would give Rojo away if somebody would take him. Yeah. And, and Phil, uh, Phil Jones. Uh, um, one good news for him: by Eric Bay was back for this match. He was on the bench, so you've got to figure he's approaching full fitness. That's got to help. Um, Daily Blend has kind of been shit as well. Mm-hmm. So I mean. For United, I don't know, man. If they can't find a way to get some goals in, I just don't see how they're going to even stay in the chase for fourth at this point. No, I agree, and it's it's they were starting to look a little better. Uh, Pogba has looked better as of late. He's not scoring goals, but he's he's looking a lot better. His link-up play is a lot better coming yeah. out of the midfield. And I will say, uh, Martial looked a little better in the match. Not great. Uh, <clears throat> But, you know, this is this is a United team very much in transition. And unfortunately, a lot of them, some of the moves they made were very win now moves. And some of the moves they made were we're going to win the next three to five years moves. The, the Bailly move, the Pogba move. Those are future moves. Zlatan, very much a now move. And, and the one thing they didn't do was upgrade the back uh, besides Bailly. And that's really, you know, now that we've seen him out. There's not a whole lot left in the cupboard after him. And, and, you know, that's why I just, and I know we've talked about ad nauseum, and I'm not going to keep it up, but mm-hmm. that's why I just, I can't figure out what United was planning to do this year. Yeah. I mean, when you go and pay all that money, not for Pogba, because like we say, you know, Pogba's for the next decade. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you go and drop that kind of cash on Zlatan. Mm-hmm. I mean, are, are in in truth is United seeing Ibrahimovic like a stopgap? Yeah, I guess yeah, I mean, they have I, to be. To me, that's all I can think, and I wonder if Zlatan got the same memo of that. Hmm. <laughs> it's kind of the thing because you know, Ibra, Ibra has a has an ego. In case people uh, didn't know, what 
It's he crazy. has a little bit of an ego, and I can't. I just can't see him deciding I want to go there, and this team not going all out to try to win with him. You know, for mm-hmm. for him and with him. Right. <laughs> and I don't know. I just as much as I love Zlatan, I'm I'm wondering what Zlatan's mindset is going to be come like March when you're battling for a Europa spot. Yeah, I, I don't know I don't know what you do if you're United if, if you don't make the Champions League. Zlatan, he, he, he did it this year because I think he wanted to be at United and he wanted to be reunited with Mourinho. So he said, okay, you're in Europa, that's fine this year. Um, but if, if, if he's part of a team that only qualifies for Europa or, uh-huh. or worse, I, I don't know. I know there's been talk that they've extended him already for next year. I, I wonder though if there's some sort of some sort of clause, and not the kind of fake Firmino Aldevarelde release clauses we've been hearing about this week, but a legitimate clause that uh, that says you know if they're not in the Champions League next year, he doesn't have to stay around. I just don't know because I just with him, I can't see him wanting to play his. You know, truly his last few years in Europe. Yeah. Because he's going to come to America and save us all. Of course. Um, you know, I just... I would figure Zlatan would still be trying to get that shot at the Champions League in. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I, I don't know. I just... Uh, unless United's just paying him so much fucking money that he couldn't say no... Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think they are. I mean, I'm sure I know they're paying him very well, but mm-hmm. I don't know. You, you know, Zlatan, Zlatan can get cranky because he, he believes, you know, he belongs in the conversation with the Ronaldos and with the Messies. And, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, come April, those guys are going to be playing in, you know, potentially the semifinals of the Champions League, and Zlatan's going to be in sixth in England and not have a shout at the top four. Yeah. So, and then, I mean, you know, there's still the Wayne Rooney situation that, you know, Rooney hasn't been as bad of late. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you're sitting there now. Gareth Southgate has taken the England job. He has said he's keeping Wayne Rooney as the captain. You're sitting there with the England captain basically being a squad player? Yeah. And it's Wayne well, Rooney. Well, and then there's the whole thing. And and then beyond that, you know, it's it's this back and forth with Schweinsteiger. What are they going to do with him? Uh, Schneiderlin and Depay looked like they're on their way out. I, this is a team just completely in flux, and I don't know that they they've made up their mind of whether they want to win now or win in the future. And instead, they're not going to do either. Well, they're you know, it's always been said, man, United are like the Yankees. Well, right now they're really like the Yankees because nobody can yeah. figure out what the hell they want to do. Because, you know, yeah. here's the thing. Much like the Yankees, you can't rebuild at Man United. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you, you can't rebuild at the Yankees. You have to you have to make it at least seem like you're going for it right now. And the right. thing is, all that does is hinder the actual getting you back to the top. And we've seen it in New York. We're seeing it in Manchester. Um, you know, what sucks for them is... You know, well, with the Yankees, you know, it's really it's the Red Sox you have to keep your eye on. But damn, you know, you're united. I mean, you hate City, you hate Liverpool, you hate Arsenal, yeah, <laughs> you hate Chelsea. I mean, and especially with Chelsea, there's beef because of your manager being Mourinho. 
And right now, basically, the team that fired him is sitting top of the league. Um, you know, your two most heated rivals are sitting. You know, two of your most heated rivals are sitting second, third, and then your crosstown rival sitting in fourth. Yep. And also, that's a big personal rivalry for Mourinho because of Pep. So it's just, um, I don't think United right now is a very comfortable place to to be a player or to be on the staff at. That's not to say they obviously can't turn it around, but they've got to come up with a plan and they've got to stick with the plan. And just trying to buy a Galatnico here and there, I don't think is the way to do it. No, and they're they're being made to pay for it now as they were against Everton. And that's the week in the Premier League. Uh, your fixture list coming up this weekend and week. Yes, it's that time of year again. Uh, Saturday, this Saturday, start off early at 7.30 with those Evertonians as they travel to Watford. Yay. At 10 a.m., you get a choice of uh, Arsenal, Stoke, Burnley, Bournemouth, Hull, Palace, and Swansea, Sunderland. At 12.30, this is a match that I'm sure looked better about two months ago. Leicester taking on Manchester City uh, with Arlo White on the call. Sunday, Chelsea hosts West Brom at 7. United, Tottenham at 9.15 at Old Trafford. You want to talk about two teams right now who are in the immediate Thing are going in opposite directions. That's that's that match. Southampton, Middlesbrough at 9:15 as well, and then Liverpool, West Ham at 11:30. Uh, not at not at Upton Park, but instead at Anfield um, on Tuesday. Jokes never getting old. On Tuesday, yes, Tuesday next week, uh, 2:45, Bournemouth takes on Leicester and Everton play Arsenal, and then Wednesday, a smorgasbord at 2:45, uh, Middlesbrough, Liverpool, Sunderland, Chelsea, West Ham, Burnley, and then at three, Palace, United, City, Watford, Stoke, Southampton, Tottenham, Hull, and West Brom, Swansea. Welcome so to that the is holiday fixture list. You shoot yourselves good. now. You know, next week, I mean, you know, I know Liverpool plays Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, and then they'll play again until the next Monday. It's not bad. Of course, then we play uh, Saturday, Monday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God that Monday is David Boyce. There <laughs> you so, go. Well, which, is, which suddenly is not looking like such an easy match ever uh, anymore as we have to go to the Stadium of Light. Blinding lights. Uh, Look at the table right now. Chelsea running away a little bit. 34 points. Arsenal in second with 31. Liverpool and City on 30. Tottenham in fifth at 27. And United in sixth with 21. At the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone. Uh, Leicester's only at 13 points at 16th place. Uh, West Ham is in 17th with 12. Sunderland and Hull both on 11. Uh, Sunderland with a better goal differential. And Swansea in last with 9. Um... Nobody is safe right now. And then basically the bottom, basically even a Middlesbrough in 13th, they just have 15 points. Southampton, 12th place with 17, but you feel like they're going to they're gonna start to turn around eventually. All right, Wes, let us quickly run through the final group stage matches of the champions. And, uh, and the most Arsenal thing ever, 
They've win their group for the first time since 2011 in the year that nobody wanted to win the group. Um, and unfortunately, it may come back to bite them. Uh, Arsenal beat Basel 4-1 uh, on the back of a hat trick from Lucas Perez. Uh, PSG draw everyone's favorite cough drop, Ludogorets Rosgrad. Uh, and it took a Di Maria goal at the end when he, when he still did his little heart to make sure that PSG secured a home draw against Ludogorets. Congratulations, Di Maria. It was, it was are, really great. Are we, sure, are we sure that maybe PSG weren't the, uh, the smart ones here? Oh, yeah. yeah I, mean, maybe. We, uh, I mean, do we want to go there and say PSG? Were you guys really the smarter ones who were just like, eh, fuck a this shit? Was that French? I don't think that was French, but whatever. Not even close. They said, um, said, said fuck it, we want second. Considering that I've heard that uh, Unai Emery is uh, already on the hot seat at PSG as well as for his league fit standing, I'm going to say no. But uh, it might end up helping them anyway. Um, in group, uh, so anyway, sorry, in group A, uh, Arsenal win the group, PSG finish second. Ludogorets, though, because of that draw, they finish third with three points, and Basel finish last. So Ludogorets to the Europa League. Uh, in group B, uh, a big match. Napoli beats Benfica 2 1 in Lisbon. Uh, they win the group, and Besiktas had a chance. Until Dynamo Kiev put six on him in Kiev, and uh, Besiktas completely collapsed. So Benfica still goes through in second place. Besiktas drops into the Europa League due to just basically shitting the bed, uh, as it were. Although it's Ukraine and... You know, that happens. Uh, Group C, Barcelona march on with a 4-0 shutout over Mönchengladbach to win the group with 15 points. City, they they, they tie Celtic 1-1, both teams scoring in the first eight minutes. Uh, Patrick Roberts uh, bringing Brendan Rodgers back into town in style uh, before Kalichi Iannaccio, who just scores goals for City, uh, answered back in the eighth minute. Of course, Patrick Roberts, a Man City loney. So, uh, you know, they didn't uh, they didn't observe the unwritten rule. I guess we'll call it the Thibaut Courtois rule, right? Yeah. Where, uh, where not not showing great character there, Brandon. Ah, uh, Brandon plays uh, Loney against you. Uh, City does finish second. Mönchengladbach go to Europa in third, and Celtic drop. Out uh, in Group D, uh, Bayern do get a one 0 win over Atletico thanks to Robert Lewandowski free kick, uh, but it's not enough for them to win the group as Atletico already had that locked up. So Bayern, hello Arsenal, they finish second. Uh, Rostov, due to a a nil nil draw against Eindhoven, go through in third place in the Europa League and Eindhoven drop out. Uh, in Group E, Tottenham return to uh, winning ways as they finish in third place thanks to a 3-1 win at home against Monaco, uh, or, sorry, against Moscow, excuse me, Moscow. Uh, their first win at Wembley this uh, Europa League group, or sorry, Champions League stage, already getting in practice. Tottenham drop back into Europa League. Uh, Leverkusen beat Monaco 3-0, uh, but it's not enough to win the group. Monaco still do win the group. Leverkusen finished second. Moscow drop out completely. Uh, group F in the match that you, I believe, are currently watching right now. Wes, where are you in that match? Uh, I'm somehow watching halftime highlights. 
Oh, fantastic. I'm ready to fast forward. <laughs> nah, maybe. Uh, well, then currently you'll see that it's 1-0 Madrid after the first of Karim Benzema's two goals. But, uh, spoiler alert, uh, Yang would score in the 60th minute to answer Benzema's first two goals. And then Marco Royce would save them all on the counter to make it 2-2 and get a famous draw at the Bernabeu as Dortmund top group F. Real Madrid finished second. Hi, Arsenal. Legia Warsaw uh, finished third with a big win over Sporting in Warsaw. It was a 1-0 win with a deciding goal from Guilherme Costa Marquez in the 30th minute. Sporting fall out of Europe. Legia Warsaw go to the uh, the group. Europe. And just just to uh, comment on that, how do you feel if you're Sporting... When you look up and the team above you finish with a negative 15 goal differential. It's not great. And you had a negative three and yet they, they pipped you to it. And, and not only that, but let's also, let's, let's, let's give Legia a little bit of credit. Yes, they did have to win the match to get into Europa. That was the only way. But the reason they, they really had a chance is because they also drew Madrid 3-3 in Warsaw. That's right. That's right. They were the ones who uh, who kept Madrid from being able to uh, go and win this. Yeah. So so while yes, Dortmund beat Warsaw a combined fourteen to four over the two matches. Um, you know, as long as they didn't play them, everything else was okay. So Warsaw, yes, with that negative fifteen goal differential, they allowed twenty four goals in the group stage. They only scored nine, but uh, hey, they're they're moving on to Europa. Uh, group G, Leicester tops the group. Thankfully, because they already had it locked up. Porto destroy. Yeah, hi, Byron. Um, they, they they get five on the defending uh, Premier League champions. Uh, Porto going through in second place with that. They fend off Copenhagen, who got a 2-0 win at Club Bruges. Um, and that's, you know, a Club Bruges team who I believe made the knockout stage last year. Finishes Group G, maybe the most easy group, if we're going to say. Um, Bruges finishing with zero points in this group stage. Uh, Copenhagen transfers to Europa with nine points. And uh, another team, as we hit our last group, uh, that finished with zero points. Dynamo Zagreb go 0 for the tournament. Uh, they lose 2-0 to Juventus. Lyon and Sevilla draw nil nil which west you know what that means like is that to liverpool in, in january well well maybe but <laughs> that means that sevilla cannot repeat as three-time defending europa league champions because they're still in the champions league uh, and, oh. you, and you and you know they're gonna wake up in just a few hours in sevilla going ah damn it we fucked up Oh, it all went wrong. How did it all go so wrong for us? Um, so unfortunately, I guess, Sevilla does stay in the Champions League. They'll be a second-place team. Juventus win the group. Uh, so the draw for the, the knockout stage will be on December 12th. That is next week. And we'll have to see uh, uh, how that... Yes, Monday it is. Monday at 6 so, a.m. our time. Yeah, I, I'm. Hell, I might wake up for. Hey, you know no. what? I might need to wake up for that because we, uh, we, we might be having to go to uh, Raleigh. That's Maybe. right. Oh yeah, we will be up, so we can definitely uh, watch that. 
uh, just real quick to finish things off here, um, the highest uh, coefficient team to not do anything uh, would be Basel. They were at an 87.75 coefficient. They are knocked out completely. The lowest coefficient to advance to the knockout stage of the Champions League is Monaco, again, the best goal-scoring team in Europe. Uh, they are only at 36.549, uh, but they are advancing. So that is your Champions League. Uh, Europa League... Um, yeah, United's going to uh, some Eastern Bloc team that is currently having to uh, heat their field so that it's not ice. Like literally Lambo field style warming is required here, which um, Josie, maybe to everybody's shock, not happy having to go to Zorya Luhansk in, in the middle of winter. Not not happy with UEFA about that. Well, he's, he's the one who willingly took the United job. So. Yeah. And uh, also, uh, in much bigger news, Southampton and Hapoel Beersheba play on Thursday. Of course, you probably already know the result of that. But the winner of that, both teams on seven points, winner of that advances to the knockout stage uh, for United. Uh, they need any sort of result or Feyenoord not to get a win uh, to advance to the knockout stage. So that's your Europa League fix. And right before we head to commercial break, uh, the FA Cup third round proper draw has happened. Yes! The, the second so you, that matters. You can get great matches like Hull Swansea and, and Sunderland Burnley and maybe more importantly West Ham versus Man City that that might be okay um, league leading Chelsea will be going to either Notts County or Peterborough United and by go we mean host um, Liverpool will be hosting either Plymouth Argyle or Newport County both out of League 2 and Tottenham Hotspur got a League 2 team I mean they got Aston Villa uh, they'll be hosting them at White Hart Lane so yeah. I wonder, I wonder what kind of color pattern Plymouth Argyle have. <laughs> is is Ar- it Argyle? Argyle? Is it Argyle? I don't know. I'm clicking on them right now, so I hope it's not Argyle. Oh, how could you not go Argyle with that being literally your name? Well, their nickname is the Pilgrims. Because that's an English thing, I guess, to do. Um, when that's literally the people who flood your country. But okay. Um, no, their their home their home kits almost Celticy. Actually, their away kits are very Celticy. Uh, white with a green stripe across the front. Their home kits are uh, green with white pinstripes. You know, I think they should uh, they should partner with the University of North Carolina basketball team because, as we all know, Argyle is the way to go. Argyle rocks. And uh, with that, maybe the University of North Carolina would like to donate money to us. But instead, maybe if they don't want to, uh, here's, here's some people that are donating money to us as we take a word from our sponsors. Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. And welcome back to the Foreign Affair Podcast, episode 136. I am Edward Green. Joining us always by McCall and Crime West Bradshaw. Joining us here on the pod, uh, presented to you by NGSC Sports and I'm Next USA. 
Uh, Wes, as we hit the news and notes, um, a quick uh, look at what else is going on uh, with the case we mentioned last week uh, as as widespread sexual abuse of players may have happened, may be in a very weak term of it, almost definitely happened. Um, We now know that uh, Matt Letissier has accused uh, the ex-Southampton coach Bob Higgins of quote, very wrong actions, including naked massages. Uh, the former player said he was not a victim of the abuse himself, but he said the behavior was very wrong. Um, as he told the BBC, quote, everyone was kind of naked and getting thrown on this bed and a very quick massage. It was uncomfortable. It's very, very wrong for a start. Looking back on it, you think it's wrong, but as a young boy, you thought, is this normal? Uh, it's pretty disgusting. What went on is not normal behavior. When you hear the stories of naked soapy massages, hairy bum competitions, you look back. Yeah, you look back at it now and think, "Hang on, what was going on?" Uh, so that's one of the stories. Uh, Barry Bennett, uh, or sorry, Barry Barnell has been charged with child sex offenses. Uh, he uh, he was the former coach at Crew Alexander. We talked about last week. Um, Chelsea. In an exclusive brought on by The Telegraph, who's been doing phenomenal work in this, uh, Chelsea has been claimed to have made a secret claimant to player in a child sex abuse claim. Uh, the alleged victim was paid off after threatening to go public the claim he was sexually assaulted in the 1970s by Eddie Heath, Chelsea's influential chief scout for more than a decade. And the FA is getting into it as the FA uh, and Premier League could sanction Chelsea if they failed to follow rules by settling a claim by former youth player uh, who suffered the alleged abuse from Heath. Uh, Premier League rules state, according to this article in the Daily Mail, the club shall notify the league and the football association and give the league and football association such further information as they may require any evidence obtained by the club. Um, uh, Chelsea have appointed lawyers. So we're not going to talk about this too much. Please go read the Telegraph. Go read the Daily Mail uh, for much more coverage on this. Go read the BBC's account of this. This is we, we talked about this last week, so we're not going to go into it more this week. But Wes, this is uh, this is this is getting shadier and shadier by the second. Well, and one thing that kind of pops it this week is you know we were talking last week. Who had ever heard of any of those guys? You know mm-hmm. the, the guys. When Matt Letissier, who mm-hmm. is maybe considered the best player ever for Southampton and was a guy who mm-hmm. back in his playing days in the Premier League could have was one of those who could have easily, easily gone to one of the top teams in the league and played but chose to mm-hmm. stay at Southampton because that was his home club. When he's coming out saying it, suddenly there is a lot more weight behind it. And, and I, I know that sounds kind of bad. Oh, well, you know, it took a superstar to make people listen. It's not that, but it's just for the general public. You know, let's put it this way. I mean, if, if I, well, let's just, let's just take the whole Messi situation. If, you know, Barcelona's third string right back was getting charged with tax evasion, it's a non-story. But when it's messy, it's, you know, world news. Um, when when it's Letizia suddenly saying it, people I think are going to perk up and be like, oh, okay, so shit, there really was something going on. And um, just, oh man, you know, we talked about this is going to be something that's going to develop 
over a long period of time. It's not going to be over next week. So, you know, if like we told you, you know, if there's updates, we'll give you the updates. But, I mean, it's completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Whatever week it is, it's not any better. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad we don't really have to go into it and really break this down again. Yeah. Even, uh, even though so- the... I, I did get a I did get a giggle because when you hear of hairy bum contests, Ooh, it's not good. <laughs> and soapy massages. Oh god. So, just, again for that. Much better coverage is going to be provided to you by the Telegraph. They have done again amazing work over there. They did the they did the work on the Sting uh, that broke Sam Allardyce's involvement with uh, with pay for play. Um, they they have done some amazing work this year. So again, if you want to go check out a lot of great coverage, go read the Telegraph as you're watching this or listening to this podcast. Um, so while you have that those abuse claims going down, and Wes, thank you for mentioning the uh, the Messi at Barcelona case uh, about tax evasion. Well, why don't you wash it down with this? That Cristiano Fake Ronaldo and Jose Mourinho, the special one, are both being uh, investigated for tax evasion claims now as per the wishes of Real Madrid, Wes. We will treat Ronaldo's portion of this with the utmost seriousness and respect that he deserves. Of course, because you, you little know, bitch. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure no one from uh, Real Madrid had any snide comment to make about Messi, right? Oh no, no, no! Oh no, no, no! <laughs> This is coming out from uh, Yahoo. Uh, both of these men have been involved in a multi-million euro system of tax evasion, according to leaked documents obtained by a number of media outlets. Um, both of them have said that they have fully complied with British and Spanish fiscal requirements. Uh, based on leaked documents obtained by German weekly Der Spiegel, very German, uh, the outlets claim that Real Madrid and Portuguese star Ronaldo could have, quote, hidden 150 million euros in tax havens in Switzerland, because that's what it's there for, and the British Virgin Islands. Um, On this amount, the striker paid only 5.6 million euros in taxes, or barely 4%. Um, So... Ah, Wes, this is this was like the last crutch that people who had in the the Messi versus Ronaldo argument, and now it, it seems like even this 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 these tax evasion stories will intertwine them as well. well I'm sure Ronaldo would be thrilled to know that he hid more money. Oh, of so course he, he did. He wins that one, right? He um, wins again. <laughs> Except he didn't. Have some respect. He didn't do anything. No, uh, excuse me, Real Madrid. We're very sorry to even bring very this up sorry. and bring his name into it. Absolutely. We know it's a non-story because you guys have told us it's a non-story. So. Exactly. Yes, because, because there's no one I'd rather believe than Florentino Perez, right? Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't really have a lot to add to it. I mean, I've got my giggles just based on who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm a fan of people keeping the money that they make. <laughs> yeah. And Europe's tax system is just ungodly. But yeah. dude, you gotta live by the law of the land. If you gotta pay your damn taxes, pay your damn yeah. taxes. Hey, if you want better tax laws, come to America. You know, don't, don't play for Real Madrid. Or just move to Switzerland. <laughs> Go play for that Madrid. too. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. sure that uh, Sepp Blatter will start a team, and you can be part of it. 
And there'll be absolutely no corruption whatsoever. No! No one ever pays taxes. No. If you don't Um, want to pay taxes, move to Texas, Jesus. Or Florida. They don't have an income tax. Go go play for Orlando City FC or uh, or Houston. Or David Beckham's team that's never going to exist. Oh, it sucks. Love you, Dave. Love you, Bex. Hey, don't worry. And NCFC is a thing now. So yeah, right it is. Because they're going to 2018. Are we going to talk about that, Eddie? Nah. nah. Unless you wanted to. Go ahead. Well, no, I mean, that's all I know is they're exp- apparently, I saw something today, they're expanding to 28 teams. and um, They want to get to like 30. North Carolina and someone else are named as a high, high, high up on the list of potentially getting one. I think it would be cool. I'd be down with NCFC. I think I think one thing they're going to do, and I've heard this talked about, is they're going to have to build a completely new soccer stadium. I know they talked about expanding Wake Med. Um, no, no, you the traffic would be absurd. You can't do it there. Um, you're, just, you're gonna, just tear down Carter Finley and build there. Hey, and as we saw, thanks to uh, NYCFC this year, they could always just play some matches at the Durham Bulls Athletic Park because oh, the baseball field can totally be used. <laughs> Or I mean, they could. Uh, I mean, they could just. Uh, they could take a page out of uh, NYC or uh, not NYC, um, New York Red Bulls, and just play at Carter Finley. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. That's what you do. Or they could play in. Or they could play in South Carolina. You know, don't play in the state you say your team is located in. <laughs> well, they could just be C C F C, Carolina yeah. Football Club. No, God, oh. who would go play in South Carolina? Ew. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I don't know. Charleston, they said, is pretty nice. Anyway, back, back to, back to this. A uh, pair of linked stories here. As we mentioned, uh, Man City and Chelsea have both been charged by the FA over player behavior, um, and this is a big story. Sergio Aguero, who who started the fracas, as we'll say, uh, he's going to be banned for four matches. Fernandinho's going to get three, and and West that is that's huge because that's also now as we kind of joked about earlier, this is starting to be the sort of tightly packed portion of the schedule. And as I try to pull up uh, Man City's right now, next right now, as it said, he would be back for the Liverpool match. Oh, of course you would. Of course. So we're kind of hoping that um, it wouldn't. Uh, there was there was something I saw somebody saying maybe they would uh, if City would appeal it and push it back a match or so. Well, <laughs> now this these are the matches he would miss. He would miss at Leicester, home for Watford, home for Arsenal, and that's a Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday stretch, yeah. and then away to Hull. So so two maybe not so bad. They do have Vianacho, but that's that's still a pretty big blow. And as you said, he would be back for away to Liverpool, but nicely rested and ready to go. Oh, of course. Thanks for nothing, FA. That's I mean, who, gives a, who gives a four match band? You give fives. Yeah. Come man. on. Come of on. course. Um Smart and of course Fernandinho. And of course, somehow, despite uh, uh, Fabregas egging on Fernandinho into choking him, no, no, he's he's fine. Shish, not, shish. Not, nothing, shish. nothing to him or uh, or uh, what's his face, uh, Batshuayi, almost punching Kelichi and Acho. No, he's cool. No, of course, no Chelsea players get anything. Damn, Sesk. 
And I'll give I'll give all the credit in the world to Cess Fabregas. He completely goaded him into that. Yeah. Oh god. Because he basically made it look like he spit at him, even though if you go back and look at it, he didn't. But you can see where Fernandinho thought that he was spitting at him. Yeah. Damn Sesk. If anyone will know how to do that, it would be Sesk, considering how many times he's been set off. Also, we didn't mention it in our in our game recap, but uh, one of the reasons, you know, Aguero may have gone after Luis was that uh, Luis may, should have at least been booked early in the match. If not, as we, we've debated whether he should have been given a red uh, for denial on a, of a goal-scoring opportunity, but there definitely should have been a booking when they... when when. Louise basically body checked him as he was running after the ball in the Chelsea half and uh, nothing was even called not even a foul so uh, I, I think uh, and that's you know we also didn't talk about Marcus Rojo probably should have been sent off for United but that's okay uh, but uh, not not a good week for officials and uh, somehow Clattenburg was not involved in any of it Um because uh, West Brom and Watford also charged by the FA for failing to control their players. Again, this was as uh, Pereira and McLean came together. Uh, I do believe uh, McLean will get something. They have not actually put out any suspensions yet for either. Pereira was sent off with a red. Uh, so we'll have to see how many matches he misses. Um, so it, it, that one will be interesting to see. Uh, we wrap up here with a couple of injuries. Everton looks like they've lost Yannick Balassé uh, for about six months. Uh, one of the their brighter players uh, to come out of this season was Balassé, bringing him over from Palace this year. Um, he came off against United, and he is going to have to have surgery because of a knee injury. So his year is pretty much done. Uh, Duncan Watmore, also a promising forward for Sunderland, uh, he had to come off against Leicester on the weekend. He is also done for the year. And he follows uh, Patty McNair and American Lyndon Gooch out the door for Sunderland as well. So a, a, a bad week for injuries. And finally, as we wrap up news and notes, uh, a bit of good news, I guess, a little bit. Uh, Brazil playing Colombia, not usually the most friendly of competitions. Usually... There's there's some bookings and and a and a Delive Wonder Strike as uh is sometimes getting karate chopped. But these two countries are coming together to play friendly to raise funds for the Chapecoense victims uh, of the plane crash from last week. Um, not only that, we do we can confirm also Conmebol has named them Copa Sudamerica winners uh, for this year. Um, but this would be a great thing. Um, it looks like it'll be on January 22nd with all proceeds going to the families of the players and staff um, of the team. And it will be at the Maracanã and Rio de Janeiro. So uh, hopefully, Wes, you know, again, this is going to be a friendly, hopefully these two countries who do have a bit of a fiery history between them when it comes to international competitions will treat it as a friendly. Uh, I mean, we'll see. I would, I would assume that would be a game where guys would be on their best behavior. Uh, kind of mm-hmm. know, you know, that the world is watching for different reasons than normal. Um, and two, yeah. I mean, it's a friendly. Just you know, get over yourselves, get over the pettiness, and do what you need to. Um, <clears throat> just want to point out, you know, the the outpouring of sympathy, um, the uh, the the tributes 
to that team have been very wide, wide stretches. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I, I happened to see at the beginning of this, uh, I'm watching mm-hmm. Dortmund and Real. I'm sure, I'm guessing it was everywhere from UEFA. Uh, they yes. actually walled out and they had the, uh, the Chappaquoint's uh, flag, uh, or, mm-hmm. you, you know, kind of their flag as, as a, uh, like, on, on the ground as something mm-hmm. that you see that they were panning over. So I'm, I'm guessing and hoping they were doing that in all the Champions League matches, but I did notice it. Yeah, I saw pictures of it. Yeah, pictures uh, I saw from uh, Tottenham uh, Moscow. They they did it as well. Also, I believe every Premier League match I saw this weekend all yeah. also observed a moment of silence as well. Right, right. So, and, uh, and I believe wore a lot of them were wearing the black armbands. Yes, yes. So that's that was awesome to see. You know, that was a you know a great show of respect. And you know they don't have to do that. I mean, that's not a UEFA club by any means. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have to do that, but that's just you know, that's just doing something nice. That's just yeah. being nice. Yeah, it's nice to see uh, kinder, UEFA allowing the kinder, gentler, the kinder gentler UEFA. Yeah, God, God, you know, God forbid they wear an armband with poppies on it, but you know, that's this was okay. Seriously, seriously, we're still not letting you off the hook, UEFA. We're not no. doing it. No, we're not, you bastards. But, but uh, good, as you said, Wes, back to your original point, though, great uh, outpoint of support from all regions of the world right now. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, so, as the world, you said, as the world will be watching that friendly in January, so do we hit our watch for what are you <clears> watching <throat> in the week that was or the week that will be? AHS is off. Oh, yeah, AHS is gone, and... By the end of it, I wasn't too upset about it. I didn't want to keep watching what they were showing me. Um, <clears throat> let me give you a few quick little selections this weekend. Uh, sure. For, for I've told you about this one. For your for you uh, PBS watchers out there, mm-hmm. of which if you if you don't live in America, PBS is the public broadcasting. It's basically yes. the, uh, the the state run TV, which mm-hmm. many of you may be used to, but. Uh, this one usually just has little kitschy shows. My favorite show yeah. that I've, I now recorded every week is called A Taste of Louisiana with Chef John Phillips. <laughs> I am so into this guy. I caught up on like three of them today. Dude, the second oh, one was all about cooking frogs. Of course it was. Frog legs, frog bodies. They took us to the far, the frog farm where they raised <gasps> the giant, uh, the giant uh, Cajun or uh, Bayou bullfrogs. Mm. It was fantastic. And he cooked a wild turkey, which was which was just great. Um, the Walking Dead, uh, we are coming up on the mid-season finale this coming week. Mm-hmm. Um, congratulations, writers. You finally came out with an interesting uh, uh, episode for this season since episode one. They did? Oh, my God. This, this, uh, this episode was really good. Really good. That's um, okay. Well, and right. that said, if I can be fully honest, I don't think it was a, I don't think it was like one of the greatest episodes ever, but it's just after what we sat through for six weeks, it was like, oh, this is so much more what we're looking for. <laughs> it's like shit's happening and that's what we're looking for is shit is happening. So, um, you yeah, know, looking forward to that mid-season finale next week. Um, and of course, Ed, it, it's, it's not Christmas time. Until uh, you and the four-year-old sit down and watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, not once, but twice. Oh, of course. 
Oh, Hermie. You gotta get all that oh, Island of Misfit Toys dialogue. Oh, we love Hermie. No, we don't love Hermie. But anyway, no, no, no. Uh, so that, there's my little picks for the week, folks. I'll throw, I'll throw you a, a few out there. That's what I'm watching. Well, I, you talked about uh, something in American Horror Story that you were not exactly unhappy to see go towards the end of it. Um, oh, my. The, the, the Gilmore Girls. They're the Netflix revival. Oh, yeah. I heard you. You, 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 would, you would put this over so hard. Hmm. You would put this over so hard. Mm. And, then, and then suddenly I saw a review from our one main technical producer, and it was not a positive one. No, it wasn't. It was. It was in fact very negative. Um, you. Ooh. And the worst thing was, she called the end twist. There, okay, so what it was was the the Netflix series was four ninety minute episodes. She called the end twist halfway through episode two, and she said, "I will hate it if they do X." And I and see, I I had kind of spoiled myself because I read an article um, and I, let me see if I can I can pull it up here because uh, the, the, uh, the article headline is just great um, well actually it's not the headline but it's basically saying how it destroys the show um, so I was like oh well let me go ahead and read about how the end destroys the show um, so I read it and so I knew it was going to happen and she called it and I was like oh god I can't say anything I have, and so we're only watching like one episode a night and I'm like oh, I have to wait like 48 hours and then she's going to get to it and she's going to be so pissed off oh no oh no oh, oh so it was uh, reading dirt sheets, what? oh so here's the thing like season 6 and, se- and most of season 7 is what I affectionately like to refer to as gas leak seasons Thank you, community, for that term. Um, where basically it seems like everybody gets affected by a gas leak and nobody was really acting like themselves and pretty much acting like idiots. Um, and that's pretty much what happened through season six and seven. You're like, all right, well, season seven ends. That's the last season the show was on TV. You're like, okay, it kind of ends in an all right place. It's not great, but it's it's all right. That's that's fine. And then this thing just kind of threw all of that out the window. It was like, no, none of that happened. No, no, season seven didn't happen. What are you talking about? No, no, no. Here, we're just going to basically do season seven again, but we're going to do it in six hours instead of 23 episodes. And oh, yeah, this is how the show's going to end. And you're going to hate it. So, um, yeah, if, if you like Gilmore Girls, don't watch the revival. Save yourself six hours and, and just like watch Archer. Which is what we're doing now. That's Archer. that's maybe the best thing to come out of it. It's Archer. it's after every episode. Well, I need to feel happy again. Let's watch Archer. Let's watch. Okay. Archer. Nope. nope, nope. I, I I need to see people with real moral values again. Let's watch Archer. Yes. Let's watch Archer force Sam into the eyes of his geriatric butler because he did not make his drink properly. And you know what? Still. Better than a lot of what we saw on Gilmore Girls from the people. Oh, hell yeah. God, even it's got to be better so, than that. So glad. No, I, I mean, like, morally Gilmore speaking. The, these, uh-huh. Archer, Archer looks like a paragon of virtue when compared to what happened in those six hours of those people. Like, God, I mean, wow. I mean, I, no, granted, I've literally never watched one episode of Gilmore Girls and mm-hmm. have literally no... Uh, no desire to ever do so but mm-hmm. i just i can't i just can't wrap my mind around how 
unmorally uh, or how morally corrupt uh, Lauren Graham and what's her name Rory could be. Uh, Alexis Bledel. Yeah, her too. Yeah. Uh, basically, I'll, I'll put you this mild spoiler. This this isn't a, a big spoiler. Mild spoiler. I, I, I really, uh, by the way, don't think too much of our uh, listening audience's Gilmore Girl in it. That's fine. Well, I'll just I'll just throw this out. Mild spoiler warning. Um, so Rory is played by Alexis Bedell, okay. um, who summarily rejected uh, one of her boyfriend's uh, marriage proposals in okay. the I believe the next to last episode of the entire series. Okay. We now find in in ten years later, she is now booty calling him in London while she has a boyfriend that basically becomes the butt of a joke throughout the entire series that she just never breaks up with. And oh by the way, the guy she's booty calling with is engaged to some French heiress. So she's basically cheating on her husband and having an affair. And this this Rory Gilmore, this Alexis Bledel character, is supposed to be like always doing the right thing, and when she screws yeah. up, she genuinely feels bad about it. No, uh, uh-uh. uh, like that's what we found out in episode two. Is not only is she giving her old boyfriend um, Logan booty calls when she goes to London, no, he he's also engaged. She's just getting hers in. Yeah, and I did. I did think it was funny. One thing, and I don't know if this is what the writers intended, uh, but she she didn't tell her mom, as played by Lauren Graham, that that's what she was going to do until about midway through this revival. Uh, and apparently, what she was telling her mom is when she would go to London, she would stay with her friend Dee Dee, which I jokingly pointed out is that's what she's getting when she goes there. Ha <laughs> You get it? <laughs> oh, that's awful you're shameful so Wes as we talk about fake relationships and fake um, confrontations between married couples in order to get the drop on their unsuspecting rivals let's get so raw well somebody obviously saw raw this week <laughs> Lada Lada oh god raw I'm gonna tell you, man, that was very attitude era-ish. <laughs> we 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 haven't been doing the uh, we haven't been doing the. Uh, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you this, man. Um, WWE, as of late, they have they've been bringing back a little bit of the oh, in 77th minute, Ronaldo had a one-on-one with the goalkeeper. Yeah, he like, did. Yeah, he did. Inside the six-yard box and hit the post. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he Ooh. did. Good job, Ronnie. Very uh, Kevin De Bruyne-esque. Oh wow! Yeah, the goal. Um, WWE has been getting a little more blue lately. Which was I, uh? I gotta, see, I gotta ask you. Uh-huh. In reading the recap, how creepy was Ric Flair when he offered the limo and gave him a wink, wink, nudge, nudge about the ladies? Was that creepy or no? say no because Rick okay. was like Rick was like in a really upbeat kind of mood and he, oh, okay. he didn't well he didn't make it creepy and trust me I love Rick you know I love Rick I voted for him for president mm. um, you know as did the all new sports show in general um, yes it did Rick can be a little creepy at times um, but I didn't get it coming off here I just got I just saw it as more like uh, I hear you young man you're going go get 
get you some. Hey, take the lid. I'm going to get you some, young man. You know, gotcha. it, it's as he said, as he said, uh, because um, uh, Enzo Amore calls himself the certified G. He, uh, what, Rick said something like, uh, like from the original G to the certified G. You go get some, young man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but why does he get it? WWE, like I said, they've been getting a little more blue lately. You know, um, we've kind of had over the last few weeks on SmackDown with the women's title, uh, which, of course, we had a pay-per-view this past weekend. Um, we, we have a new uh, SmackDown women's champion in my beloved Alexa Bliss. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally my waifu. Did I say that right? Waifu. Waifu. Oh, whatever. Yeah, waifu is like... It's like wife. <laughs> it's like wife with an ooh on the end. Oh, I think waifu is like some kind of beef. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Well, she'd totally be my waifu because I love Alexa Bliss. She won the title this week and um, they've been dropping the, the B word that rhymes with which oh uh, no well, last week Becky Lynch said you know I'm not losing to this bitch and this week you know Alexa said guess what Becky you lost to this little bitch and it's just oh. like oh okay WWE I hear you I hear you and deal with the whole Enzo and Lana thing um, now you know it, it didn't get as far let's put it this way if it was 1999 uh, basically, Lana um, answered the door wearing a red silk robe and maybe gave a little tease that, you know, she might take it off, but never really came close to taking it off. If it had been 99, she would have had that robe off in about 20 seconds, and she would have been there in a bra and a thong, like, the entire time. So, you know, we haven't gone that far yet, WWE, and I don't know if we'll ever get back quite that far. Um, I think but, they're pushing the women too hard to do that. Well, and that's the thing, and that is the thing is up until really about the last two or about the last God eighteen months to two years, the women's division was treated as this like you know, okay, yeah, they wrestle, but you know what? These are the girls that also you know we put them in this kind of stuff that they do these things, and I'll put it this way: right now, Lana. Basically, Lana and maybe um, um, Maurice, who is the Miz's wife, who's not going to do that because she's the Miz's wife. Um, they're they're kind of like the only two women right now who are on the main roster who aren't competitors. Mm-hmm. So you know, with Lana, you can do a little more of this stuff because she's seen more as a valet, and also like <clears throat> you know, she's Rusev's wife. So that's what they're using it as is, you know, kind of a, a tool with that. But, you know, somebody like a Charlotte or even, you know, Alexa or Becky, you know, some of the ones are Sasha Banks, the ones we just talked about, that there's no way they're doing any of this stuff with them because they, they're not even really associated with any of the men wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Where Lana, Lana is more of a, you know, <clears throat> she's not a competitor. She's, hey, this is just Rusev's wife, and this is who walks into the ring and all this stuff. And she is a conniving little bitch, and she'll cheat for him. But, you know, she's not she's not wrestling a match. Um, and, I mean, thank God they have gotten away from it. I mean, trust me, bro. But, whew, they used to do some crazy-ass shit on WWE. You know, very, very objectifying women. Now, now I'm not going to lie and say that, uh, you know, 15-year-old Wes didn't thoroughly enjoy the objectifying of women at that point. <laughs> 
I did just listen to a, a two and a half hour podcast about Sonny this week. Sonny, the original diva. Um, yeah, that was fun. But uh, it, it was an interesting little story. I mean, and, and the thing is with this, you can see what they're actually doing to kind of increase this rivalry. I, I've got to think eventually we're going to get into big cast versus, um, uh, versus Rusev. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen that, and, and, you know, the whole Enzo character, Enzo's like this little mosquito who's just like a complete mouthy pain in the ass. But at the end of the day, he kind of gets squashed by the big bad guys. And, you know, he's not beating Rusev for shit. So this has got to be leading to him and Cass. But we'll see. I mean, it's interesting. I'll give it that. It's interesting. It took up four segments the other night. So that was four segments of Raw. Um, God, let me hit the big stuff real quick, though, because we're, we're droning on too long about women's equality and all that crap. <laughs> we did have we a didn't pay-per-view. Mean it, folks. Uh, no, I, I love you, ladies. Especially when you dance. <laughs> no, seriously. Um, we did uh, have a pay-per-view this week, TLC, so we'll, we'll go SmackDown first. <clears throat> um, TLC... Uh, women's title change hands, like we said, Alexa Bliss uh, came and won that time. That was a good match. That was a really good match. Um, the uh, the Wyatts, Bray Wyatt, and um, Randy Orton won the tag titles. And uh, it was a it wasn't a very long match, but it told a good story. Mm-hmm. Uh, they won the tag titles. So Bray Wyatt first first championship in WWE for him. You know he's been around a while. And he's done yeah. some really, really big profile stuff, but has never had a title before. So he's got the tag title now, so that's cool. <coughs> Excuse me, Ed. And in the main event of the night, kind of the shock of the night, um, Dean Ambrose, AJ Styles in the uh, the TLC match for the um, for the WWE World Title. Um, Ambrose and Styles beat the shit out of each other, and it was great. Um, really good match, really fun match. At the end, down comes James Ellsworth, who, of course, you know. Of course. We, we, oh, we love James. And you're figuring he's down there. Ellsworth takes a shot from Styles. So we're all figuring, you know, Ellsworth's there to help, uh, try to help Dean Ambrose win. Ambrose is climbing the ladder. Styles has been knocked out of the ring. Ambrose has a clear path. And all of a sudden, Ed, that damn James Ellsworth pushes Ambrose over on the ladder, allowing AJ Styles to come and climb up and get the title. And everybody's just stunned. Well, I mean, you know, you're stunned in the sense if you've suspended belief, you're stunned. If if not, you can read it coming a mile away. But anyway, um, I love the storytelling. That's, they've been so good at telling this story on SmackDown. Um, it continued into the uh, Talking Smack after show where Daniel Bryan said, what were you thinking? Why would you do that? He said, well, the way I see it, I've beaten AJ Styles three times. I've got his number. And, of course, Ellsworth from last week on SmackDown has a title match with AJ Styles. Has mm-hmm. a contract for a title match. So he said, I've got AJ Styles' number. What, what, of course, you know, as he as delusional as he's being, he keeps forgetting that Dean Ambrose basically won all three of those matches for him. <laughs> <laughs> so we come to SmackDown Tuesday night, and the segment opens with uh, Styles coming out. 
Um, and Styles was in a walking boot. Uh, and sustained a minor injury um, uh, during the pay-per-view. Nothing, nothing long-term. He'll be back next week. But I uh, was out there talking, and here comes James Ellsworth. And Ellsworth comes down in. He's got this little swagger to him, which makes him even funnier. <laughs> Uh, oh, as, as as JBL calls him, a turtle without a shell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh, they eat this guy up. Um, so he gets in the ring and he tells AJ, he tells AJ Styles that AJ's just trying to duck him. That's all he's doing. He's just, he just, he's just trying to duck him. And, um, you know, AJ Styles kind of looks at him and says, you know, I, I can't believe what you did last night. And he said, well, AJ, I did it because I've got your number and I'm going to beat you for that title. He's, and AJ made the statement. He said, you know, he said, I beat the hell out of you like multiple times. He said, but I know when to stop. He said, you just pissed off Dean Ambrose. He has no idea when to stop. <laughs> um, at which point uh, Ambrose's music hits. And Dean Ambrose comes striding down to the ring. AJ just gets out of the ring wisely. Um, James Ellsworth's looking around like, what the hell do I do? When Ambrose steps in the ring, James Ellsworth sticks his hand out to shake his hand like, hey, buddy. <laughs> and uh, Ambrose uh, kicks him in the stomach, drops him with the dirty deeds, turns right around and walks out of the ring. Whoops. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, Mr. Ellsworth, I think, has picked the wrong person to to fuck with. Uh, later in the night, Ambrose ended up having an intercontinental title match against The Miz. Uh, James Ellsworth came out near the end of that match, uh, was trying to actually help Dean Ambrose and ended up costing Ambrose the match. Uh, <laughs> so by the end of the night, uh, Ellsworth was literally running away from Ambrose and Ambrose just had like the crazy eyes <laughs> in the middle of the ring. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see where that goes. I, I don't know how much longer this Ellsworth character has legs. You know, mm-hmm. it just it just kind of feels like, you know, once Ambrose... You know, okay, well, basically when he fights Styles for the title, Styles is just going to decimate this man. And then he's going to have to deal with Ambrose. And once Ambrose just decimates him and leaves him for dead, I don't really know what kind of legs James Ellsworth has after that. Right. But I will say, I mean, for a guy who literally, JBL's not far off, looks like a turtle without a shell. I, I mean, you've seen the guy. I think they are literally getting every ounce of, you know, storytelling that they possibly can from this guy. Right. I mean, because, I, I mean, he is the furthest thing from a WWE-looking wrestler that there could be. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and I think they've just done a fantastic story with him here. Um, so that's been fun on SmackDown. On Raw, the biggest thing on Raw, um, we continue to have the deterioration of uh, Jericho and Kevin Owens' relationship, which oh, just no. hurts me at my core, Ed. It just, it just hurts, damn it. Uh, Owens trying to get back on Jericho's good side this week. Um, ends up costing Jericho the United States Championship uh, in a match against Roman Reigns. Um so that did not end well as well on Monday night. We, we kind of ended the two shows much very similarly with uh, someone trying to do something nice and uh, it not working out. Uh, <laughs> what else was on Raw? Um, we're building toward uh, Ambrose and Ray, or Ambrose, uh, Reigns versus uh, Owens at Roadblock. 
is our next pay-per-view coming up before the Royal Rumble. Um, Rollins going to be taking on Jericho. Um, that was kind of the big thing out of that. Uh, oh, well, uh, speaking of Ric Flair, he did make an appearance on Monday night. This actually closed the show. Um, <clears throat> you know, the last time Rick was on TV, Charlotte, kind of, his daughter kind of unceremoniously sent him away and told him, you know, go to hell, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, after last week, she calls him out to the ring, does this nearly tearful apology, you think, and then at the end, um, basically tells him he's a piece of shit. Not, not that word, obviously, but that's kind of where it turns. It turns out she was not apologizing. Uh, all she wanted to do was get Sasha Banks in the ring, and she proceeded to beat the ever-loving dog shit out of Sasha Banks. So that is how we went off Raw on Monday night, uh, building, I guess, once again to Sasha versus Charlotte, because, you know, as amazing as it is, we haven't seen this a thousand times already. Uh, <clears throat> oh, they did announce they'll be having an Iron Man, a 30-minute Iron Man match at the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. So that'll be good. It'll be a really good match. It's just after this match, we've got to go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they can only go back and forth so many times. So. It's Bailey time. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But anyway, that is this week's So Raw. Yes, it is. And uh, so with all of that going on, with fathers getting crushed after allowing other men to go try to get with women using his personal limousine... That's what happened. That's what happened. Uh, that's also going to do it for episode 136 of the Foreign Affair podcast. Please join us again next week when we have plenty more Premier League action to talk about. We'll have two matches for every team. That's craziness. Uh, we'll also have uh, Europa League. We'll recap uh, Manchester United's loss huh, in the Ukraine, as well as uh, Southampton playing Hapoir Balshiva and seeing who advances from there. We'll also be talking, of course, uh, the Champions League knockout stage draw, the Europa League draw going forward into their knockout stage, and news and notes watch for in another edition of So Raw. This podcast is presented to you by NGSC Sports, NGSCSports.com. We never stop, even if this podcast is about to. You can also get I'm Next USA to get your dreams realized on your talent endeavors. Uh, they can be found on Twitter. We can be found on Twitter as a collective at AFA Pod. Wes, you are? At Wes Bradshaw 21. I am at Edward Green. You can also find us for the moment still at our sister show, the all new sports show on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can email us all new sports show at gmail.com. And of course, if you want to send us letters and parcels and early Christmas presents, slide into our DMS and we'll get you an address to send that to. I want to give a shout to our podcast providers, including podbean.com, the iTunes music store, Google play music, Spreaker, Stitcher, the tune in radio app and iHeartRadio. And lastly, uh, Zencaster again doing great things helping produce our podcast and bringing it out to you so with that Wes anything else to add before we get out of here Eastern Finals this week here in high school football folks we are quickly coming toward the end and we still have two teams alive in our all just like last show. year that's right in our all new sports show viewing area and uh, once again Rocky Mountain is one of them and an Edgecombe County team. Tarver yes. heading to Wallace Rose Hill this Friday night. Rocky Mount heading to Havelock, both on the road again, Ed. Um, mm. We'll see if we'll either get a repeat of last year 
or maybe we'll get something better, or maybe it'll be worse. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. putting my mon- I'm putting my money on the better. You know me, and I'm, I'm nothing but positive. That's why they call me West Positive Bradshaw. Wow. Uh, so, uh, well, oh, I'm, I'm excited, and I'm excited to go see the Griffons in the 20-degree weather Friday night. Well, I'll put you this way. If if only one team makes it, I I definitely have a pick for who I want it to be. Good for you. I obviously have a pick as well. I'm sure ours actually different uh, here. <laughs> yes. And again, that's if only one. If, if God well, came down and said, you can only have one of these two teams make it. Well, <laughs> I think I know which one I want. Well, your, yours is purely on uh, travel. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do I want the one 30 minutes away on a Friday night, or do I want the one an hour and a half away on a Saturday morning? Who do I want? You mean you mean two and a half hours away? Yes, yes. Well, I'll be exactly. We'll see. We'll see. We'll play it by ear. If, if that if if the Rocky Mountain scenario happens, you can come spend Friday night um, in the panic room. So nice. Fantastic. So, and you can see Mittens again. So, for one, uh, McCollin Crime, Wes Bradshaw, I'm Edward Green. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Foreign Affair Podcast. We will catch you guys next week. In the meantime, stay safe and enjoy all the football. It's the holiday season. Good night, Madrid. It was a draw. Ha 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 ha. Again. If they had Messi, they would have won. That would have been a messy situation. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now. Hey. Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop.